We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Great news from Sprint. The wait is finally over. The new Samsung Galaxy Note 10 with the powerful S Pen has arrived at Sprint and you can get it for 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. That's right. Get the power of performance and productivity of the Galaxy Note 10 for less than $20 per month. There's never been a better time to switch. To learn more, visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash Galaxy Note 10 or call 800 Sprint 1 today. 1979 a month after 1980 monthly credit applied within two bills with approved credit 18 month lease and new line of service. If canceled early, remain balance due. Exclusive tax coverage and offer not available everywhere through the activation fee restrictions apply. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is the Gator Nation Football Podcast, powered by Campus Insiders, with your hosts, Alan Williams and James DiVirgilio. This place is an insane asylum in the swamp! Now we know we're just a bunch of average stiffs. Welcome back, Florida fans, to the Gator Nation Football Podcast. My name is Alan Williams, right here next to James DiVirgilio. We've got a fun show for you guys today. We're going to talk about what do you expect from a spring game, how should you watch it. We're going to fill you in on position battles. We've got a little inside information for you from a source of ours close to the team. And then we're going to close talking a little b-ball, how we felt about the season. James, how are you feeling right now? I feel great. I feel great. Uh, we just enjoyed an, an incredibly fun March Madness, which we will talk about at the end of the show. And we're now facing down a little bit of football, just a little bit, a little sampling, tiny, a little taste. Tiny bit. And today when we when, when I came to the studio, uh, I was thinking to myself, wow, it's amazing how quickly I can forget even who's on the team. <laughs> and so if you guys are anything like me and your brain sort of works seasonally, we're going to get you adjusted and acclimated back to football. And we're going to start right now by looking at who left the team. Who will you no longer be seeing playing in a Florida uniform? Yeah, a lot of Gator greats, really, especially on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of stars. So starting with maybe the most high profile of the guys, Quincy Wilson, Jalen Tabor, our two starting cornerbacks, gone. Jared Davis, excellent linebacker. And his you know sidekick, Alex, Alex Anzalone, who, you know, brief window of playing time for the Gators, but we'll miss him. Uh, Marcus May, who, you know, 
up and down relationship with him in the podcast over the years, but uh, veteran presence will miss back there. Um, David Sharp, also a controversial figure along the offensive line on this show, gone to the NFL. Joey Ivy graduated. We'll see if he can earn himself a spot in the league. And then, of course, uh, our boy Austin Appleby graduated, no longer with the team. You know, it's one of the most fun things is I hear you read those names to think about the comments that maybe I have made about each player during their career. Certainly Marcus May and David Sharp have, have drawn many an analytical piece uh, from yours truly. And one thing to mention, out of all those guys, relatively normal transition through their pro day and through their things, except for except for Jalen Tabor, who seems to have had maybe a very underwhelming is the right word combine pro day do you make anything of this do you if you're an nfl team do you feel less good about drafting Tabor right now based upon what his numbers have been in these workouts possibly you know and corner is one of those one of the few positions they really like to look at the 40 time and his was kind of underwhelming uh i don't know it kind of reminds me of landry fields a little bit when he's coming out ran a very slow time coming at lsu but when you watch him on film you're like this guy's a baller and then he's coming and lit the league on fire so I don't know. I'd rather look at a guy's tape. The 40 time is a little concerning. I bet it'll cause him to fall a little bit. But I I would be surprised if he wasn't a very productive corner in the league. What about you? Yeah, it's it's hard to know what the NFL will put will put stock into that. He certainly ran a, a slow forty time, like yes. a four seven seven, and the four sevens four seven three. Both of his laser clock times. Uh, there's plenty of guys in the world that are faster than that. Plenty of guys in my text thread group that yeah. claim to be faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, Angeloni and Davis though looked excellent either the combine or the pro day. I mean, Jared Davis was jumping out of the building um, when he was doing the high jump. So. I mean, some impressive guys, some guys who may need a little work. Yeah, you never know. And like we said all along, I, we and I always thought Quincy Wilson was the better athlete. We had mentioned that. So it's not surprising to me no, that Quincy no. Wilson's numbers were better. Uh, but, but yeah, fun to watch Tabor in the NFL because anytime your 40 time is, is sort of that much slower than your peers, you come with a little bit of a risk. So we're going to see just how well he transitions. So those are the departures. We also have some new faces. Only five of them that are here right now in the spring. A significant crop, of course, will come in from the, the not heralded is the right word, but from the strongly closed recruiting class we've had this year. So only five right now. Who are those five? We're going to focus on those because it's a spring ball. Who's well, there, here now? There's a couple guys, but the, I mean, the names you might need to know, um, you know, Kadarius Tony. we'll talk about him more in a minute, um, quarterback for now. Kenmore Gamble is a tight end that the coaches really like. So you could see him, uh, Kadeem uh, Telfort, offensive lineman, just another one of the big guys out there. I don't know if you'd even notice him whether he's out there or not, but the coaches like him a lot. And then, of course, uh, we'll get to this in a minute, but the QBs are new. Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask, so we'll talk about that in a minute. So those are some of the new guys. Not a ton of new faces, really. Um, a lot of, Returning a lot of guys that you've seen, uh, even along defense, even though we're losing a lot of people, you a lot of those guys are going to replace them. You've you got to see play because of all the injuries and the fact that, that we played a lot of guys. And lastly, we've got some new coaches, three new coaches to be exact. Who are they? Where are they from? Well, let me talk first. Just a couple guys in new spots. Randy Shannon replacing um, the departed defensive coordinator. Who I'm not blanking on his name. He's gone. I don't. I can't think of his name now. Now the head coach at Temple, but he's the new defensive coordinator. Um, and then Tim Skipper was the running backs coach, now coaching linebackers. So guys, Corey Bell, new DBs coach, Brad Davis, new O-line coach, and Jawan Sider, new running backs coach. So all these guys are 
known first and foremost as recruiters. So we'll have to see, like, how do they do developing guys? Um, you know, maybe we'll get a glimpse of this in this game. That'll really show up in the fall. So new new faces on the sideline as well. Yeah, I'm most excited, I think, to see what happens on the offensive line, which, of course, I was consistently frustrated with. So with Mike Summers' departure, uh, I'm excited to see it. On the defensive side of the ball, I think we saw a lot of great things last year. It will be interesting to see what Randy Shannon does coming off of really good bowl performance, but you can't really base anything off a of bowl performance if you listen to this show. So we're not going to learn anything about them in spring practice per se. We're going to learn more as time goes on. But regardless, some new faces and all three of them really are supposed to be impact recruiters. And, and that was a primary reason why we hired them. So that's that's good. We talked about that the last time that. we really were with you in this podcast. We talked extensively about addressing those issues. I feel like McElwain did that. So I'm very optimistic as we head into the spring game and into the fall. And and with that, Alan, you've got an insider uh, inside the program that's gotten some spring practice information, which is which is great for you, the listener, and great for us here doing this podcast because it's really difficult to get any sort of spring practice information. The media is not allowed to be in there. No one can cover it, so the articles are all kind of the same. Uh, we've got a little bit of extra flavor for you. Last year, we did something very similar to this, and we identified... At that point in time, several guys that we thought had stood out then. Uh, we're going to do the same thing here, and and hopefully we'll give you a little bit of leg up on your friends, uh, and you'll be in the no heading into the game uh, this Friday. So let's let's jump right in and talk about the overall feel for the team. How does this team, which is now a veteran team, uh, returning a lot of guys at a lot of different positions, how does this team feel to the insider? Yeah, it's a little bit of a shift from how it's felt in the past because normally the defense has obviously led the way. And this year on the defense, there's so many young guys, a lot of them playing new roles, maybe training at different positions. Um, you know, Chauncey Gardner and Duke Dawson playing corner, uh, you know, talented but very young linebackers, a lot of young guys in defensive line. So they're still learning things, figuring things out, and not really sharp at this point, which would you would think be the case. But the offense is looking much more confident. All these guys, a lot of reps together than it has been in the previous spring. So kind of a little bit of a role reversal of the team. But, you know, a lot of excitement, a lot of young guys getting playing time. So the team is really up, moving, excited. But, you know, defense still a little uncertain, trying to figure it out. Offense maybe feeling their oats a little bit. And that's probably what you would expect. Uh, and I'm hearing this information for the first time, so I can sort of react like you guys will here through the microphone. And my first thought that comes to mind when you think of the offense right now is there are so many guys returning outside of the quarterback position where you're going to have a battle we're going to talk about here in a second between Franks and Trask and uh, technically Luke Del Rio, who's out for the spring. You've got an incredibly loaded wide receiver position, which I think one could argue might be the most deep Florida has had. In maybe a decade, I don't in know. At least a decade, maybe even the modern era, if you, if you want to go that far with so many guys that can play. So you're in good shape there. You've got an offensive line that is going to be full of guys that all played last year. So yeah. all those guys are returning. I think you're getting the benefit in moving Martez Ivy to tackle, which we talked a lot about last year. That's going to happen. Uh, you have three running backs that are returning, three good running backs that are returning. You have two tight ends that are returning. So if you look at the offense, you have almost a complete unit of returners minus the quarterbacks, but both of those quarterbacks have been in the system. So certainly good news there. Certainly good news on that side of the ball. Another thing you mentioned is the offensive line. 
really stepping up their play. They look a lot better, a lot more developed, and that Coach Davis is doing his best to toughen them up is what I you know gathered from my guys. So we'll see if that translates into the fall, but they're, they're excited about that group. Like you said, a lot of guys returning, a lot of snaps um, between those guys um, who you know, saw a lot of action last fall. So the one real question mark we have and most people have and all the national analysts have and you have right now are who's going to win this quarterback battle? Do we get any information on the inside as who looks good in practice? Yeah, of the position battles that are in this program, you know, I think corner is one, offensive line is one, and then the big one, the heavyweight, is quarterback. And so this is really interesting. You get the kind of feeling from, you know, coming into like the little bits that we hear that maybe Franks was a little bit ahead of Trask during last season. And what we're hearing out of spring practice is that's only really intensified. That both guys have looked really good, but Franks has really seemingly taken the role. That he walks around with confidence, um, that he's taking command of the team in a lot of ways, connecting with receivers. So they both looked good, but in terms of even just maybe confidence, that Trask maybe is lacking it where Franks has it. And so the guy, my guy I was talking to is still very much a believer in Trask, that he can make all the throws, that he could be a real dude and still is capable of winning the battle. But at this point, Franks is much more owning the role and owning the team, uh, which is really interesting. You know, and that's a big part of being a quarterback is like confidence and leadership. Yeah, it's something that we have identified as lacking in that position consistently throughout the years. And so it's good to hear that. I think that was a question mark on Felipe when he came in. Did he have the composure to be a leader? And so my first reaction to that is, is that's what you want to have happen in spring practice. If I'm thinking about what matters in spring practice, matters a lot for the leaders of your team because it's the first time they get a chance to really command the huddle, command the other players, build respect amongst their peers. Probably... Um, only second in importance to really truly learning what it is the coaches want you to learn is actually learning how to lead. And so great news to hear that that's something that, that we feel is is a step in the right direction with Franks. Yeah, it's good news coming out of camp. And, you know, that'll only take you so far once the bullets start flying, you know, if you don't have the command of the offense or can't make all the throws. But it's a big part. It's a big step in the process. So I'll go ahead and talk about this guy now. Maybe the biggest note for me coming out of this little spring practice nugget was how my guy felt about Kadarius Tony, And this is a quote from him. He said, he's the most spectacular player I've seen in a long time with the ball in his hands. That the sidelines, every time he's taking snaps and he runs the ball, everyone is paying attention, like on the edge of their feet to see what he's going to do. Now he's like very limited in throwing the ball and actually being a quarterback. But apparently the guy is just electric when he has the ball in his hands. And so He's really hopeful that the coaches are going to find some way to use this guy in the fall in games, whether that's in a Wildcat thing or maybe he gets swapped out. So, you know, the defense, when they make him throw the ball, he's, he struggles. But when he takes off, apparently he's just electric. So I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, the, the sideline goes crazy every time this guy runs the ball. But that's apparently like a real thing. And this guy is a legit player in some capacity and will – see if the coaches can figure out how to utilize him. Yeah, it's good to have explosive playmakers. He's a you know, 5'11", 180-pound kind of guy. And so I think he projects, the coaches think he'll project probably to like a slot receiver. You can throw in there with Dre Massey, Brandon Powell, and give you three really explosive guys to uh, run four and five wide sets with, which 
I think is really exciting. At the very least, you can also throw him back there, like you're mentioning, in some of these uh, quarterback run situations to give just a slightly different wrinkle, maybe four or five times a game. But it's always good to hear that you have a guy that is really dangerous in the open field because playmakers are what win you uh, important games. That's what you have to have. And we've lacked that pretty considerably. And so that's certainly good news coming out of camp. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, Kadarius Tony on the field in the fall playing quarterback, I don't think that that's going to be a reality. I think the only reason that he's getting reps, I mean, the coaches promised he would. I think that's part of it. But also, we really only have two quarterbacks right now with Luke Del Rio being injured and then Jake Allen incoming freshman not here yet. So they need a third guy to take snaps. So, uh, you know, it's not going to hurt his long-term development, I don't think. So for now, he's at quarterback. We'll see how long that lasts. So how about some returners that have been standing out in practice? My guy mentioned a few guys. Number one, Jordan Scarlett just looks like an absolute monster every time he touches the ball. We saw that as the year went on. The more carries he got, the better he looked. Um, apparently Marcel Harris, our basically our most veteran guy in the secondary, who really came on second half of the year, is that he has taken on a huge leadership role in the defense, that he's the guy back there, which is a huge need, and it's really encouraging that we have someone stepping in that role, that he looks great. Uh, no surprise, C.C. Jefferson looks like an animal. And then Taven Bryan looking like a veteran playmaker out there, that he's been making a lot of plays and, and looking like a guy who's maybe finally matured into – a potentially every down kind of player. And that's great because looking at the defensive side of the ball, there's lots of question marks. Like we mentioned, uh, you're going to have an entirely new linebacking core. Although we got to see what they could do last year. Very hopeful and excited about them on the back end with safety. You've got Marcel Harris, who I think is probably gonna be my, one of my favorite players on the team this upcoming year, super solid guy. Uh, I think he's going to be a great defensive leader, probably pairing him with Nick Washington. And then at corners, you have a bunch of new faces. You have Duke Dawson sliding from nickel to corner, and then you've got Chauncey Gardner, who's played a little bit of everything playing corner right now in those battles. But then mainly in the interior line, you have the biggest question mark. And so you have Tavon Bryan, uh, who, who has to take a step forward. Um, weak spot of the team, if you could identify yeah. one right now, because we have five freshmen coming in to play corner in the fall. So there's going to be lots of guys there that can compete and win for it. But on the defensive line and the interior part, not a lot of bodies to choose from no, there. You wouldn't put not a lot of freshmen get reps there too. And the guy we mentioned that's departing, I guess we left him off the list, Caleb Brantley, huge for us last year. So Kiari Clark and Taven Bryan will be the starters presumably. You're gonna rotate a lot of those guys, but yeah, it'd be huge if Taven Bryan had a big year. Who are some freshman players that, that haven't played yet but that are, are making some noise here in camp? So especially the linebackers. So Jeremiah Moon is a guy who I think the coaches were high on. He didn't play because he was injured most of the year. And wanted to mention that Voshan Joseph and David Reese both look excellent, and Moon looks right there with them. And so young guys, new, but showing tons of flashes. So I think that's where we're going to see how that linebacking core is, like a lot of big plays and a lot of misses because they're still so new to that role. Uh, Dre Massey, not in contact yet, I think, in terms of like you know being – fully a go but has looked really big and so he's kind of a returning guy kind of not we talked about him a lot last year before the season and then of course he got hurt on the very first play um coaches are still expecting big things out of him and then jachai polite so you saw rotating in some on the defensive line a guy who's gotten a lot bigger so he's kind of a new guy probably if you if you weren't hardcore looking at the defensive line you wouldn't have noticed him but he's really starting to make some plays in spring practice which is good news as well What's the confidence level heading into the fall? So this was a little mixed. And 
the number one question that he had after watching these guys is that corner. So still nervous that Duke Dawson and Chauncey Gardner are going to be able to make the transition to corner. I, and I think that's maybe the other than quarterback, the biggest question mark on the team. And so that makes me nervous that he's nervous. I would have loved to hear a glowing report and that the youth on the defense that they're so young everywhere is that, you know, they're not always in their fit. They're not always in their alignment. They're not always making the right reads. And that's to be expected. I think there's a lot of talent, but again, a lot of youth, but that he's hopeful and excited about the offense um, that he thinks that they're going to flourish. And so I think overall, not super confident, like this team is a sleeping giant and they're going to be amazing, but the team that still should be really excellent and really competitive in the fall. Yeah. We've queued this up before. This is going to be a transition year where we go from a defensive team character wise to an offensive team. That does not mean that our defense free falls, Uh, but you, you generally as a football team want to reload on defense. It is an easier position to play than it is to teach your guys how to play offense. Mm -hmm. And so you can plug in bodies on defense, get better as the year goes on, and you can win that way, especially in the SEC East, whereby almost default, um, we're going to be in a good situation next year. Of course, we also have a very difficult schedule outside the East, so that remains to be seen. Big challenge for Randy Shannon that Jeff Collins didn't have during his time here. Oh, yes, Jeff Collins. <laughs> was that? I already forgot him. He, yeah, he is, he is going to have to deal with playing defense without truly proven cornerbacks. And whether or not Duke, I, I don't think has shown enough in his career to play the outside, maintains that position with the freshman. You're either going to have two freshmen starting there. You're going to have Chauncey and a freshman starting there. You're going to have Duke and Chauncey starting there. But none of them will reach what we've had there in previous years. It'll be a significant drop-off. So whether that means more zone, less press man, I mean, there's going to be things that Randy Shannon is going to have to do to help the corners, where in the past, you never really had to help the corners. You had to help some other spots. So Yeah, because we could play with an, basically an island out there in corner on either side if we wanted to. And that's we've been rolling through all Americans here at Florida for the last couple of years. And that's not the case this year. And, you know, Gardner and Dawson are going to play somewhere. They're excellent players. But do they does their skill set fit in that corner back role? And I don't know. And if they end up, if we end up playing true freshmen out there, that's going to be a choppy season against the pass. So I don't know. Hopefully those guys can, can get there if they can't. It might make for a long season. And I don't know. That's that's my info coming out of spring. Hopefully that's helpful. James, we got a spring game coming up here on Friday night. Now, the spring game, some people get really hyped about it. Some people don't care about it at all. What are some expectations you have for the spring game? Like, basically, like what, what do you want to see out of it? I think what you like to see is, is solidly executed offensive plays spring football should be about the offense so if you watch a spring football game where the defense is dominating the offense that's not encouraging to me because again spring football is about the offense the coaches know it the game is to try to score points get the fans excited about the upcoming season what that means is you need to see routes being run crisply you need to see balls being delivered on time and and primarily like like we talked about earlier what is the demeanor of the quarterbacks that are on the field? And and that's probably what I look for the most in this QB battle. It's always too early in the spring to tell who's going to win. The one thing you can tell 
is what does that quarterback's poise look like? How are they talking to their teammates? Are they able to coach people that are not in the right positions as the game goes on and they have new people in there? Are they moving people around to show them where they should be? Do they have a command of the offense? If you start to see things like that occurring, you get a good idea that that person has a good feel for playing the position. And then you can watch where the ball's being thrown to and those sort of things. But Really, you can't do too much analysis on a spring game. If that were the case, then Franks would have already transferred and been off the roster because he had a horrific spring game last year. Right. Uh, and and Jeff Driscoll, who was like a spring game hero one year, you know, I think he completed almost all of his passes, would be starting in the NFL. So be careful with that. But I think you want to watch the confidence, watch the poise, watch the cleanliness of the plays, see how the execution is, and really just enjoy a little bit of football. That's the main thing. Enjoy a little bit of football. Enjoy being out there in the swamp again. Uh, and, and just sort of get a feel for what this new team may look like in the fall. It's interesting because McElwain himself has said, don't expect anything crazy. Expect a lot of vanilla stuff because this game is going to be on TV and he knows Michigan, our first opponent, will be watching. So that's an interesting kind of cagey statement from McElwain already kind of trying to manage expectations, which I think this coaching staff is very aware of is in playing the expectations game. So last year, you know, Luke Del Rio looked excellent. And, you know, I think they set him up to succeed. They had him going against the second string defense for the most part. Um, you know, when Felipe Franks, who looked awful, throwing a billion inter- interceptions, you know, McElwain put him back out there again to give him a little bit more confidence, which I thought was smart. You don't want to leave a bad taste in Franks' mouth all offseason. So it's a little bit like, if I were going to say how to watch the spring game, it would be enjoy it, take some bigger picture stuff, and don't ride too high or too low. Because we've all seen guys come out of the spring game, you know, wide receiver, I think LaTroy Pittman was always this guy. Tons of catches looked excellent, and then he would have two catches on the year once the season started. So I, I think you would agree with that, not to get too high or too low, whatever happens on Friday. Yeah, that's that's exactly the way to look at it. But but also enjoy it. It's easy to look at a spring game and say, that's a practice game. It's stupid." You know, it's really it's just a way for you to check in on some of the new guys, watch some of the new quarterbacks throw the ball around. You can observe a few things. Uh, we talked about after last spring game, Luke Del Rio, and I know I mentioned right on this very show that Luke Del Rio I thought lacked arm strength making some of those throws, and that is a theme that I carried throughout the whole year. So there are things you can learn about a guy. I think already, though, with Franks and Trask, both of them have very strong arms. So you're not going to notice a glaring scenario where you're like, wow, that guy can't make that throw. They can both make all the throws. This will be a different style spring game than we've seen before, hopefully, because at least if passes are not being completed, the ball should be coming out with some good velocity, uh, which you know we've been hit or miss on in, in several spring games previously. Okay, so we talked to him. That was a good... Like I think moment right there. We've talked about like not get too high or low, but what what do you want people to look for? If you're saying, hey, if you're going to be a little bit observant about the spring game, what do you want them to be paying attention to other than the quarterbacks? Well, you can pay attention to Eddie Pinero and Johnny Townsend, the, the, <laughs> the best the best kicker punter duo in the country. That's always fun. I, I feels like these spring games are like an Eddie Pinero show. That's a good time. Uh, but no, on on a serious note, spring games are for quarterbacks. Okay. I think really they are. I think it's a quarterback game, and I think it's fair to to evaluate the quarterback. And I think, like you mentioned very, very perfectly earlier with the Troy Pittman or with Luke Del performance last year, how they perform is not an indicator of how they're going to perform in the season. Uh, with that being said, Will Greer's spring game was very evident that he had an extremely quick release and he could make all the throws. And that carried on into his time here. 
uh, and Treon Harris's spring game was evident that he waited a long time to throw the ball. So there are some insights you can pick up on. So I think if you're looking as a keen observer, you really watch the intricacies of the quarterback position and see what their habits are like. What is their footwork like? When are they releasing the ball? Where are their eyes? And those are good fundamental skills. And as I say a lot on the show, if you do not have the fundamentals, you cannot play quarterback at a very high level. So check the basics, watch for that, and let the rest of the result type stuff so don't worry about the results, more about like how does it look and feel. Does it feel like the routes are crisp and the ball's coming out on time? I would also say one thing you could probably look at is our offensive tackles. Are they getting beat, right? So the defense is going to have advantage. They've seen all these plays a bunch, right? And, you know, it's a young defensive team with, um, but with some interesting pass rushers. And if they're... But if they're getting by our offensive tackles, I don't think that bodes really well. If the offensive tackles hold up, doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to hold up. But if they're not holding up, I think that's a bad sign that they can't hold these guys off because they're a lot more experienced, a lot more polished. Even though the defense has a little bit of edge in that department, you know, snap counts and getting off the line quickly. Uh, if the tackles look bad, eesh. Yeah, that, and that's been a weakness for us. And I, I feel maybe overconfident on that position. That's not going to be the case. And, and obviously, I'm putting all my eggs in Martez Ivy's basket. But the fact that Sharp is gone is, is like uh, an Easter present to me. So I feel great about it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Maybe I'll come on next week when we break down the game and say, <laughs> I don't feel so good. Yeah. But right now, I feel pretty good. All right. Any other players that you're just excited to see that you're looking forward to, to watching? Well, everyone knows my favorite player is, is Voshan Joseph. Uh, every time I can watch that guy play, I love it. I hope it, that he doesn't like knock out one of our own players because I'm not <laughs> sure he can throttle it down at all. And so that's kind of a concern is that the guy is just, he's just an incredibly physical player. So really excited about watching Voshan Joseph play. If Dre Massey were healthy and playing, he'd be the other guy. So much hype around this guy. And we have not got to see him yet. He's, he's like this car in the garage you can't drive. You're restoring it. Uh, so he'd be the other one for me. How about you? A couple guys on offense. One, Tyree Cleveland. How does he look, you know, with some more experience under his belt? You know, he was very limited at the beginning of last year with a hamstring injury. So he still has not had like a significant amount of practice time. So if he's gotten to take a ton of reps in spring practice with this quarterback, does that help him? Um, our tight ends, uh, Siante Lewis and... Now I'm blanking on our other tight Goolsby. end. Goolsby. Man, Come I'm having a, Come on, Goolsby. Yeah, I'm having a, a stellar day there. Uh, Goolsby, how did they look? Because they looked great in the spring game with Will Greer. Um, and, you know, in Will Greer's tenure, the tight end was a real weapon. We were dominating people with the tight end. Those seam routes, uh, little out-and-ups and other stuff like that. So how do those guys look? Do we see the true freshman, Kim Morgamble? The coach is liking a lot. And then on defense... Uh, Antonius Clayton, who is a five-star defensive end, has apparently gotten a little bigger weight-wise. Um, does he show any flashes? And then Chauncey Gardner, who's a ball hawk. I love watching that guy. I think he's going to be great. Whether it's a corner, safety, nickel, he's going to play for us, and he's going to be one of our better players. And do we see him flashing a little bit? Uh, so those are guys that I'll be looking out for. All right, James, let's close the podcast a little bit here and talk about the basketball team. Just finished out an incredible tournament amazing Elite Eight game against Wisconsin. Of course, the miracle shot by our boy Chris Gioza. How do you feel about the season? Do you feel good about it that we made a lead run? Or do you feel disappointed that we came so close to the Final Four yet again and didn't make it? Both in totality. You and I sat down before the basketball season and went through the schedule and said, 
Sweet 16 is where we would love to be. Uh, that's realistic, and it's that's a that's a that's accomplishing our goal. And then in the middle of February, you're thinking this team can make the Final Four. This is so vastly exceeding my expectations. I cannot believe how much we're scoring. Uh, Mike White's a, a great coach of the game with regards to improvement. Sky's the limit. Then Igbunu gets hurt. Then you lose those brutal games to Vanderbilt. You lose to Kentucky, and you say to yourself, okay, I would just like to get to the Sweet 16. Come out, we play Virginia, tough matchup. Get to the Sweet 16, you're feeling pretty great about yourself. This is amazing. Yet again, what a great job by Mike White. And then you wind up having that miracle win against Wisconsin, which you probably should have closed that earlier, only to face South Carolina, a team that you certainly can beat in your favor to beat. So I think when I think about this season in totality, the opportunist in me says it's so hard to get to the Final Four. And we really had a very favorable road the way it fell. And we had a team in South Carolina we could beat. So frustrating we didn't get to the Final Four. It was maybe stealing a Final Four out of this season, out of some players that were limited. You would have loved to have maximized that. But the Elite Eight from a team like this, where you've got a senior point guard in Casey Hill who's extremely limited doing a variety of things, you're missing your best center, essentially not playing with a big man. You don't really have shooters anywhere that you can consistently find. Uh, And you're playing with Kayvon Allen who couldn't score for a while amazing amazing year so i think i'm gonna remember this years from now as, as the season where i wish it would have beaten south carolina but great job by mike white hopefully this is a, a preview of what he can do these are not the kind of guys he'd like to have playing he prefers a taller more athletic team in general especially at the guard spot maybe we get there and see what the future looks like i'm excited about the future and i think that's how i'm gonna remember this season is this was the year that mike white really truly solidified in my mind he is a very, very good basketball coach. The one remaining question is, can he get the elite athletes on the recruiting trail, which we've talked about? But that's how I'm going to remember it. Partly sad that we didn't get it done, but an amazing year given the roster we had in the beginning of the season. I just would not have expected it to have been as good. I know. If you had told me at any point along the year that we make it to the Elite Eight, we have a miracle buzzer beater finish, and you know we look good in an Elite Eight game for the most part, I would have taken it. Without question. And yeah, but it's weird to feel disappointed to lose to South Carolina. There's a team that we've beaten once and we should have beaten the previous time, but we had a similar kind of shooting slump, you know, where we went 0 for 17, I think, in that first game against them, 0 for 14 in the second half of the game in the tournament against them. So that's disappointing. Elite Eight is kind of a tease. We talk about this. Sweet 16 is great. You get to revel in that for a whole week. And then the final four, you get to hang up a banner for that. And we're so close to that final four. And once you're in the final four, who knows? I mean, we're, I don't, I didn't see us beating Gonzaga or North Carolina, but you never know. What if Oregon won that game? We can beat Oregon. What if we steal a game against Gonzaga where they go cold, you know, because of the weird shooting element? So you'd love to have gotten there, put up a banner, but you're right. I think this team needed some success. I was really worried we were going to go out in the first round at, at a certain point just because of the way our team was feeling coming into the tournament. Obviously that didn't happen. You know, we blew out Virginia, you know, great win against Wisconsin. So I, I feel like this gives us so much momentum moving forward on the recruiting trail, just how the, about the, how the coaches and the team feel about themselves. Such a big moment moving forward that if you don't have this, maybe you don't get to where you want to, maybe you can get to where you want to go in four years instead of like six years. And that would be contending for a championship and, and, and hanging in there with the likes of Kentucky. So 
I, I thought it was an amazing year in parts. I, I, there's so much about this team that I love, so much that's frustrating. Um, you know, Casey Hill maybe being the most, I guess frustrating is probably the right word, player I've ever watched for that much time. He would do three amazing things and then three just things that you would just want to sh- you know, shake your head at and be like, what are you doing? I don't know how many times I yelled at the TV screen or in lot person, Casey, no. And so that's how I felt about him. I think that sums it up. Uh, like some of the guys who are returning, Kayvon Allen, Keystone, Chris Chioza, so Kavaris Hayes. So that I'm hopeful about the future. I agree with you 100%. I think it was a great year, great tournament. I mean, I'll remember that Chris Chioza shot for the rest of my life probably. And yeah. we lost our collective minds. I, I was hoarse all the next day from screaming. And we ran around like a, a bunch of idiots at my house. We had a bunch of people there, and we just we just lost it. Hopefully you did too. I'm sure everyone's got their own story. But maybe one other refreshing thing to end on this comment, uh, and a slight dig of McElwain here, but I just, I just can't help it. Mike White's press conferences and interview <laughs> questions are so refreshing because he's articulate, he answers the question, and he says something that's that's a bit real. And I've really enjoyed an entire season of one of our coaches answering the actual question that was asked to him and commanding respect from the reporters, which is just the bottom line opposite of McElwain. And, and I, I put a bow around this by saying in that Elite Eight game, there was one Jim McElwain in the stands with a full-on goatee. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, you know, if he just shaved the goatee and had the mustache, that could be kind of cool because he'd be making like a funny cultural statement. But he's not. He's got this like super scummy looking goatee. I'm like, that guy, as much as I like a lot of the things he's doing, and don't get me wrong, I do. I keep saying that. I like a lot of the way he's addressing our weaknesses. There's just a piece of me that cannot love his style and the way he answers questions and just the various things he does. And it's like, yeah, I wish I could just just make him cooler. Yeah, we're all in on Mike White. Still, I don't know if we'd want to hang out with Jim McElwain. Maybe that's the way it goes. Uh, But... Yeah, love what Mike White's doing in this program. I'm really excited about the future. So with that, we're going to put this preview to bed. We will join you after the spring football game this Friday night to do a full analysis. What do we see? What do we see on film? What do we like? What do we not like? And get you ready uh, for the summertime because there's a long break, obviously, after the spring game. So enjoy this little bit of football that you'll get. It was great for Alan and I to be back with you. As always, drop us a like on Facebook. Uh, write us a message on Facebook. If you have any feedback, anything you want to have covered, you want to hear about in our next pod, let us know. We'll cover it. And we look forward to talking with you guys next week. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.